Hi, I'm Stage and Stage's Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to The Hamilcast. Boots and cuts and boots and cuts. <laughs> <laughs> friends. Welcome back to the Hamilcast. I'm Jillian and you're listening to my second episode with Anthony Veneziali, aka Two Touch of Freestyle Love Supreme. Anthony is a super smart guy with tons of projects going on and there are a lot of through lines and callbacks in his episodes. So I know, I know, I always say this, but if you haven't already, please go back and listen to episode 166. That way you'll know what's going on and you'll be able to follow the conversation much, much easier. All right, here we go. Oh, wait, actually, can I get a mic check? This is microphone one. This is microphone two. This is your Hamilton experience? Well, it started very early because Lynn shared some of the like very first right, recordings ever. Right, because you've been friends ever. for so long. Yeah, I'd say probably back in like 2007, he like played some stuff for me um, and he was like, this is a mixtape I want to make. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean it's just a mixtape? He's like, it's just some songs. Like, I have all these like 90s hip hop heroes in my head and I want them to do this stuff and I hear them doing it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so... I think he's referencing the fact that I had the Hamilton mixtape on when he walked in. Totally. Uh, which is all of those people that Lynn was talking about, right. he had in his head. Um, and I remember him coming to me. Well, we were, it's very similar to, to you know, the Hamilton Revolution book that uh, our dear friends at the Future of Storytelling helped to put out, mm-hmm. um, which is, there was like some texting and, you know, IMing happening back and forth. And I was online and Lynn was online and we were, you know, just writing to each other like, oh, you have to hear this thing. I mean, have you even never heard the name Hercules Mulligan? I was like, oh my God, that name is amazing. Right. He was like, right? It's like a Busta Rhymes, already it's a Busta Rhymes acronym. Like, right. or, 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 you know, uh, another name for. He says it's like the best name a rapper never had. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so he was like, I got to write stuff for this. For this. Uh, <laughs> like, and for, like Hercules. Exactly. To, to be able to say Hercules Mulligan with some kind of beat behind it. Exactly. He's like screaming for it to happen yes. from the grave. Like screaming. And like. I called him up and he was like, Hercules Mulligan. Ha, ha. <laughs> and like, I was just like, yes, yeah. I want all of that that mm-hmm. you can give us. And then, you know, when we did the, we did a big benefit for Ars Nova. Mm-hmm. And this is also a part of that book. Um, the the very first time he like did the full song out was at that benefit. Yeah. And so I was backstage with Chris Jackson. We were singing, you know, the refrain part and, Lynn messed up actually when he first started and he was like, Oh gosh, God, let me do this again. So we started over. Like we got about a minute into it and then was like, Oh damn it, I totally <laughs> messed this up. So it was like, Can we start over? And everyone in the audience was like, Yeah, start over. Yeah. And uh and so we did, and it was like the last thing of this benefit. I that feel we like were your doing. impression of me could be a little better. <laughs> Sorry. I'll try. 
Um, oh my God. Like, as if, like, I mean, I wish I was there, but I was there. And anyway. so, so we were ending this benefit with this song. And so then Lynn did it. And Chris Jackson and I were on one side of stage coming up from like, we were like literally singing this thing as we were walking up the stairs from down backstage and then on the other side of the stage Arthur uh, and Shockwave was doing all the beat stuff and Bill was plunking some of the keys um, and that's you know the very first time that that song was heard out loud and yeah. it was like oh whoa this is this should be a performative thing right and that's I think Tommy wrote that in there as well he's like no let's make this into a show let's not just have this be a mixtape because Lynn like wrote some other music that kind of ended up being this little like we called it the junk in the trunk show <laughs> that he did a long time ago. Um, that just like little scribbles of ideas and things here and there and drips and drabs. But this everyone kind of recognized right away was like, Oh, there's something here. Yeah, like, we gotta And so Tommy was like, Let's really start working on it. And that's when they kinda like put some dates and this is the beauty I think of of Voltron, which is that organism that existed around in the heights. But more importantly was the relationship that Tommy and Lynn cultivated, mm -hmm. which was let me tell you the deadlines and yeah. you just make stuff that's how lynn works and then you know i knew all the readings were happening i i didn't get to see the lincoln center sort of jazz mm -hmm. you know where they did a bunch of the things i got to, to hear it after the fact yeah. um and so lynn always kind of culled from the freestyle of supreme crew you know he always thought of us i think in a big way as like some of the tools or the quills that were in the quiver and Chris Jackson obviously being a huge one of them. Um, and like I said before, well, I, well, actually, you know what? This didn't even happen during the part of the electric company conversation, which was Karen Fowler came and saw us. So I'm, I'm going back in time here. Mm -hmm. um, and we started doing this for the electric company, a, a proof of concept so that they could then get a grant from the Department of Education for $19 million. So they put together like a 15 minute proof of concept with us doing a bunch of different little vignettes and ideas and things that Tommy and I helped to come up with, with some of the Sesame Workshop creators. And it went well, they got the grant, we were able to do the series, and I was supposed to be the lead. I was supposed to be in every single episode as the main character, um, and Karen said, well, you know, we love you, the energy of you, we, we think you're like this perfect kind of camp counselor, this is kind of how we think of that role, um, but you're white. And this is exactly what In the Heights was as well. It's, it's a show that is specifically made for non-white people to be in hamilton's the same and there's only one role for a white person uh which is the king and it's a, a, a hilarious role mm -hmm. um but there there aren't many opportunities for me to be inside of the shows that lynn writes and i love that i'm so proud of that <laughs> that's why i got into theater this is the conversation that i have always been most interested in in being a part of yeah um and so I remember Karen having that conversation with me of like, we need to have someone who's Latino in that role. And I said, that's great. I, it was hard to hear as an actor, you want to get a role. But as, as someone who hopefully understands this concept of undoing racism and helping marginalized and disenfranchised communities feel like they see themselves, so when Lynn was talking about all this stuff, I was never brought in as someone who would voice anything. I was never brought in as anyone who would be a part of the show. 
but I was always sort of listening, you know, from the sidelines and being like, this is going to, this is going to change all the <laughs> yeah, things. This is going to be amazing. And I remember, and also I had moved out to San Francisco by this time. Uh, in 2006, I left and okay. I flew back to do the electric company. I flew back to do our television show, mm-hmm. but I moved to San Francisco for love. Um, my partner was getting her PhD at UC Berkeley and I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's go mm-hmm. out there and we'll move back when you're done. She does amazing things. Yeah, my partner, Carisi Catalani, mm-hmm. she's a doctor. She's the director of the health portfolio at IDEO. IDEO, which recently, she, well, no, not recently. She's been there for about four or five years. Um, but she, before that, she did HIV and AIDS research. I mean, um, yeah. And implementation science around tuberculosis programs throughout uh, Kenya and Rwanda. Uh, and she also did work in the Dominican Republic around um, uh, commercial sex workers and curbing the use of, you know, trying to have more safe sex around commercial sex workers in that community uh, who were already HIV uh, positive. And then she also helped to restructure the Peru healthcare system when they were redoing that. Okay, you're going to give me all those sites so I can put it in every show now because <laughs> yeah, that's she, an important thing. People totally. need to know about this. Oh, yeah, so no, I absolutely. Help, so tell me. Uh, so so there's a couple of different uh, programs that people can look into. Yeah. So IDEO.com is mm-hmm. the design company that she works for now, and they can see a lot of the different projects that she's worked on. Okay. Um, the Indiana University has a program in uh, Kenya uh, in Eldoret. And I'll have to send you the link on it. Yeah. Um, but they do a lot of tuberculosis treatment uh, to also help to expand uh, the life expectancy around people who have HIV and AIDS. Um, and then there's a similar group in Rwanda as well. The public health, it's just the the Department of Public Health in the Dominican Republic is yeah. who she worked for there. A lot of that was through the World Health Organization. So Got it. who? as we like to call it, the United Nations who branch. Yeah. Well, because you're, you're going to be a multi-part episode. I don't know if you know this already, but <laughs> oh. under every ep, it's going to be all of those things because cool. I'm here to help. So that's really, and what that's she's lovely. doing is really, really, really important. And what you're doing is really important. On It's just amazing. Anyway. Thank you. You were saying. Oh, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, you would, so you my experience, uh, yeah, because I was sort of outside uh, of New York. And I think in a lot of ways, Tommy and Lynn, when I moved, they were a little bit like, oh, oh, that hurt our feelings. They missed you. Yeah, they missed me. You're a nice guy to <laughs> hang out with. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> well, that's I, I very get kind. it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I bared witness uh, mostly to Hamilton. Yeah. Which, amazing. And uh, I remember David um, being a part of Freeze Love Supreme mm-hmm. after he was a part of the Freeze. And Tommy and Lynn heard David because I brought him in so he could do a couple shows with us at comics, which right. was, we had sort of a short residency at comics and they heard David do freestyle of Supreme. And they were like, this guy's amazing. Yeah. We should find a way to work with him more. <laughs> and so that's how David became a part of Hamilton. Then from there, the next time I really had a, a exposure to it was getting to see it at the public. So I got to see, I guess it was like the second preview or whatever it was, uh, and it was just staggering. My God, am I so proud of that family. Yeah, it's just, it's an embarrassment of riches, and and, <laughs> and I can't believe them a part of it as well. It's the other thing. That's, that's the other thing I thought while I was watching Hamilton. A, it blew me away, and B, it didn't surprise me. Right. It didn't surprise me. I mean, that they could make it into this very... Uh, organic, well-articulated, and very delicious piece of theater 
made perfect sense. In Freestyle of Supreme, we used to do a song called Time Machine, where we would get a decade or mm-hmm. a historical event, and we would do an entire song based on that. Yeah. And Chris would be Aristotle, and Lynn would be... Uh, the other guy Pythagoras <laughs> and I would be uh, Plato you know and like we would do a whole thing about the oligarchy and you know like these were common it was a common trope for us to use historical figures uh, in a freestyle game with rap right that that's another reason why it's terrifying for me to apply because <laughs> I feel like I have to be an expert on everything well, well, we created that song because Chris is a history buff. I was a history buff and Lynn isn't. And it was fun to see him bounce wasn't. between the two of us. So we And cre- now we've all become history buffs because Hamilton is a thing. Exactly. But only in a specific time period. So it's scary for me to think like I don't think I know for a fact I don't have like the best vocabulary. I repeat words a lot. I f- that's that's a part of the the intimidation. I'm truly like I have ADHD, right? So I str- and I was only diagnosed when I was 18 years old. So I kind of struggled a lot in school. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things that people that my my best friends or, or classmates back then retained that I just didn't. Yeah. Um so I'm always asking my best friend Ashley who um like introduced me to Hamilton who who works down at Harvey Milk like down at Astor Place mm-hmm. always just saying like Ashley is this the correct grammar I'm always second guessing myself yeah. I'm always thinking that like if if someone threw out the suggestion of something historical or geographical yeah. I would shut down two things yeah first we would never create a game for you that that would then be a situation to exist in but in a group though you know what i mean like sure but if you're in a group and and then that group would consist of those two or three players in that song and you would maybe be the witness then i would step back yeah yeah, yeah. second you have a neurodiverse brain so the reason why your brain latches onto certain things and other things has a lot to do with the shape of the prefrontal cortex that you have. Mm-hmm. It has a lot to do with uh, the amount of information that you can contain because of the, usually there's these five modalities that a neuronormative brain can go through. A neurodiverse brain usually has these two. Uh, so it's like, if there's more than two things going on, it's not going to stick. Mm-hmm. So that's absolutely, that's how your brain is built. So, the wonderful thing about freestyling and about improv is that it's this wonderful tool that cuts through between neurodiverse and neuronormative brains. So when you play and when you engage, you're going to hear less of that voice that you keep talking about that says, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to cut myself Mm -hmm. short. Again, that's a really strong part of your dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. That part of your brain is highly engaged, especially in a neurodiverse brain because of that duality where you're used to being caught in it. Mm -hmm. So the more you play and get out of it and we create these games that will just be joyful for you, the more diminished that part of your brain will become. Because what I can do and a lot of, here's my fear, right? Yeah. Now we're now I'm in therapy with you, okay? Fear. So here the fear is that like people are gonna think like I'm some dumb idiot, but what I can do, what other people can't do, is speak in references with it's not just hamilton it's parks and rec it's certain things it's yeah. that thing you do it's weird things like i can seamlessly 
put references into things beautiful that other people maybe can't but at the same time if you reference if you if the suggestion is something i don't know yeah well we would create a game for you that would be called like that show and we would say (laughs) hey what's one of your favorite shows right and then we would get a, a list of shows and you would literally pull the one that excited you most yeah not that you couldn't do all of them not that you couldn't do any of them but you would pick one that you felt joy and when you start uh, that's the other part of neurodiverse brains is the dopamine receptors are quite often unable to regulate on their own so we would create a game that would potentially help you to follow your joy a little bit more but we also need to undo some of the neural networking that's in your brain that's leading to synaptic connections around fear and leading synaptic connections that for a lot of women in our society are created because they're not allowed to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to look dumb. They're not allowed to be foolish. And I think a big part of that is, you know, society has very tight parameters around what a successful woman looks like. And we're getting to have more and more of them, uh, RBG being one. Boom. Ooh, yes. Um, amaze. So we we a are getting more of these examples out there but mm-hmm. for a super long time it looked pretty much like one thing yeah and if it that we either you know the conditioning had been conditioned to think if that wasn't what we were looking like or sounding like then we shouldn't do anything mm-hmm. because we'll be coming up short and we wouldn't then be find our soulmate we wouldn't then get a job we wouldn't then be taken seriously, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Yeah, and so that's deeply ingrained in most humans right. in our society, um, but especially for women. Yeah, here's another thing that women feel too is the guilt. So when you're saying like you would create a game for me, and I'm like, no, no, no I just want to. What about everybody else? <laughs> so like, what like? Well, that model is a caretaker model as well, right? So being a mother. Uh, and being a caretaking mother uh, and one who's very well quaffed and put together and looks a certain way and speaks eloquently um, is a part of that model. And the thing is, I'm not a mother and I don't plan to be and I don't want to be. Yeah. So why do I still have that idea of... All young girls are nurtured in such a way that they are expected to care for others. Young girls in school are very adherent and they're very adherent because they want the... They want everything to go smoothly Mm -hmm. and they are tasked by teachers and by their parents and by society with being the cohesion, the invisible thread that keeps Mm -hmm. society together. It's on women's shoulders that that stands quite often, I think. I'm no expert in this. Um, And so, you know, there's lots of these wonderful papers and there's, you know, the the playground theory and there's all these these really cool uh, findings. Uh, But boys are given this latitude. Boys will be boys. I... If I never hear that again, it'll be too soon. Exactly. And yet there's no girls will be girls, right? That's not, there's not an equivalent for girls. Mm. Uh, And it's because they're supposed to take care of the boys. They're supposed to clean up the mess. They're supposed to, I think, keep order. So that is ingrained from a very young age. So it makes perfect sense to me that you want to deflect because the good of the whole even if they're important. all women, even if it's a group of women, I would just be like, if I'm being a problem, like I just want it because I, in my head, yeah, there's no way I'm sure everyone in here is better than I am. Right. So if I, if my thing is like, I'm just going to stick with that thing you do <laughs> just because yeah. it's like, if that's what I know, but if they don't, oh my God, it's totally okay. And I yeah. will adapt to what, what they yeah, want to do. So with speechless, we work in the tech community pretty frequently mm-hmm. and that's 
my company that's devoted to improv thinking. And one of the things we are really adamant in trying to help undo is obviously a huge gender imbalance inside of technology, but more importantly, this concept of the imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome is something that haunts almost every woman who is inside of the tech field uh, and most of the men as well. Uh, but it's um, palpable and almost uh, a rupturing mm -hmm. uh, for most women in tech. From my understanding, imposter syndrome is when you are brought into a situation and you are hired because of your expertise or your ability, you believe that they have made a mistake. You believe that there is some thing that they were they glossed over or they somehow got the wrong person and put you in this role. Mm -hmm. So you don't believe that you belong there. You don't believe you're qualified enough and you feel as though you are cheating and or lying uh, and that's the only way you are still in this role. At some point you were worried that either in a review or in giving a talk or even providing a project like deliverables that if you make a mistake, uh, it will be because you don't deserve to be there mm -hmm. and they will find out and you will summarily be fired and sent packing. Luckily, we see it more, right? We we have words for it now. Uh, there is a light by which we are casting the shadows on the walls. So the hope there is that that will also in time change. Uh, and so at Speechless, we equip a lot of badass um, women in technology with storytelling skills so that they can inspire other women to get into the field right you know oftentimes what people go through especially yeah i mean all humans go through fight or flight um when they start getting super nervous and so you start triggering a sympathetic nervous system reaction that then leads to all these different triggered um auto um selections that your brain starts to make around what's necessary so when fight or flight begins your heart starts getting elevated uh, and then the first thing to go is smell right because it's it's not necessary um, and then taste uh, and then hearing touch and then vision usually like get myopy right so you start going into tunnel vision and that's usually like the progression of fight or flight it can get so bad that you even black out um, but a lot of times, like police officers, when they're under duress, they'll sort of talk about, I couldn't see peripherally. Like I could only see in front of me. Um, it, that means they are at a very elevated state of fight or flight. A small version of that happens for 99% of the population when they have to talk in front of others. And that's hardwired into us. That is, that is not something that is... Um, that shouldn't come as a surprise that we're stage fright that or that we get nervous in front of others. Um, the only time that lots of eyes were on us were was if something terrible was happening. Mm -hmm. So if you're like in your tribe, right, and you are sitting around a fire, the only time everyone in the group was looking at you was if like a rock was falling on you or a lion came to attack you or an avalanche was sweeping you away. Mm -hmm. So over time, we got hardwired to think that if a lot of people were looking at us, it meant we were in imminent danger. And so it triggers this almost reptilian part of our brain that is sort of now like hardwired into this deep cortex of our brain. There's this sort of certain rod that goes up and down in the middle of our brain. Um, and that's where that emanates from. It's like one of the most 
deep parts of our being. Yeah. So how do you create an alternate operating system around that? And that's exactly what Speechless does. We we try to go in and, and do grounded breath work, like even 15 seconds worth of inhaling through your nose on a four count and exhaling on a six count can really re-trigger your heart and de-escalate fight or flight from happening. Being able to have some uh, standard practice, standard process that you go through that helps you to quell some of those doubts, that imposter syndrome or whatever it is, is a huge leg up. And that's what we're trying to provide. Just a couple of like, hey, this is what we in the theater community do to right. face those fears. Yeah. Um, so here's some tools that you can use. And also giving varying uh, degrees of it so that people with mobility issues can do it too. Because that's something that I had to really come to grasp with as well when I was working for Speechless. We would be doing workshops for companies and someone would you know, sort of say to us afterward, that was one of the best workshops I've ever been through. I just have one or two suggestions for you. Sure. And those suggestions have shaped what we offer to the public for sure. Yeah. Um, because you would never know. I wouldn't, there was someone in, in an, a group that I had that I was leading who had a mobility issue and I didn't know that. And we were leading an exercise and it was, okay, we're all going to stand up now. Um, and someone couldn't and they didn't stand up and everyone in the group were kind of like, come on, you need to stand up. No. Yeah. So they got pressure from the rest of their company and she never told anyone at work that she had, uh, you know, a fatigue syndrome Mm -hmm. and she was already, this was three hours into the workshop. So she was already very tired. Yes. Um, and so she felt put on the spot. You know, and luckily I was there and I said, oh, it's okay if you don't, if you can't stand, do it however you need to. But now instead of waiting for that moment to help them opt out, like I said before, Freestyle Supreme Academy is about opting in sure. right at the beginning. Instead of having them opt out later to then call attention to something, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the entire workshop, we say, always listen to yourself. Always know that you are able to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And so whatever you need to do to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. is the most important part of this workshop as well. That's part of the agreement of doing this together. And that may mean they do an exercise differently than the rest of us. So let's make room for people to take care of themselves in the way that they best see fit. Yeah, whatever that means. Exactly. Yeah. And now that's a part of the standard agreements that we say to a room. That's amazing. And I never would have known that unless that person shared that with me. Yeah. One of the things that Speechless does that I love so much is, or at least in this TED Talk, right, is that you, um, someone was going to do a PowerPoint presentation that they had no idea what it was. And you said to the audience, you were like, look, they knew they were going to do a presentation, but I switched all the slides yesterday. Yep. So the way Speechless started, uh, my dear friend Sammy Wegent was working at Zynga at the Mm -hmm. time, and he sat through three or four PowerPoint presentations every day. And it's that thing that I think most people associate with PowerPoint, which is death by PowerPoint, right? And and it's it's the truth. A lot of (laughs) a lot of your listeners probably are like, "Yep, I've had a day like that." Yeah, they're listening to this podcast right now during a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) That's the hope. Uh, So Sammy came to me and said he had an idea, uh, which was to create an improvised PowerPoint presentation show. And so he and I got to sort of kicking it around, and we came up with Speechless, which is you spin a wheel and it lands on a topic and it can be like quarterly report or a sexual harassment seminar or a Ted talk. And then we get a suggestion from the audience. So cool. So what company really needs a sexual harassment seminar? What, uh, 
is the name of this mom and pop shop who shouldn't have a quarterly report but are having a quarterly report or what's the name of this prestigious ted talk that has never been given and then the audience shouts out something out and then we say great this presenter now has to give that ted talk on the world's the world according to coffee let's say was the suggestion (laughs) and then they have seven slides that they've never seen before and they have to make sense of it and you make them go yeah we put the slides together usually a day or two in advance and they've definitely never seen them so in this ted talk um i was giving a talk uh, on behalf of this organization that a friend of mine was running and she said we want you to like you know show how the improv thinking really works in a nutshell and i was like oh well what better way to do that than to actually just do it so we did a speechless format at the end and i created the deck and i'd sent the deck the day before to my colleague chris libby who was going to be doing it with me Mm -hmm. but then that morning i switched all the slides out because he was going to be giving the wrap-up and so I said, now Chris is going to wrap up our talk and the slides that I had given him yesterday, I completely swapped out and he has to give this talk based on a suggestion that you, the audience, give us to wrap this whole thing up. And so he had five slides and the audience, I can't remember exactly what they said, but it was something about like, you know, how all of this tied in together. Uh, and he had to then give the summation of the TED talk using these slides he'd never seen before. Yeah, there was like a pie chart where it was like pirates, ninjas, <laughs> and something yes, else. And clowns. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he was like, well, actually, now if you can see slide one clearly yes. denotes that. Exactly. Um, and yet the human brain finds a way. It's a problem-solving machine. It's been curated and cultivated to figure out fire to turn fire into an energy source to turn an energy source into a way to provide protein to the body and so that problem solving mechanism that's in our brain is the thing that lights most of us up that's why we love procedurals that's why we're Mm -hmm. sherlock holmes fans we love these riddles and so colombo peter falk do you have one too i have a peter falk impression where were you yeah Look, Anthony, you know what's been bothering me? Beautiful. You're a florist, right? My wife loves flowers. She'd kill me if I didn't ask about it. <laughs> so good. And it was the florist did it. Yeah, I mean, always. That's why Always. That. His wife, Mrs. Columbo, we never saw her. Funny thing. Oh, 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 Anthony, just one more thing. One more thing. Let me just ask you. <laughs> She'd kill me if I didn't ask. Oh, so good. Peter Falk. Oh, come on. John Cassavetes. I mean... Uh, improv filmmaking right um so yeah so so that format of speechless and finding some way to unlock one's joy Mm -hmm. because that's rarely what happens at work so we initially developed it to bring funny to business and then we found out that the core game mechanic actually was bringing joy to work so how can we bring be our full selves be Mm -hmm. authentically who we are uh and allow ourselves to experience joy yeah, you don't have to be like your work self and your real self. They can all be one, right? That's the hope. That's, That's the, the hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's the goal. That's why Speechless exists. Oh, oh, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Oh, my God. Mike's home. Yay, Mike's home. Yes. Hey. Should we give a mic to Mike? Oh, my gosh. Why not? I'm going to be giving food to you. Oh, you did? I ordered enough for three. More than enough. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Come on. Let's get a mic for Mike. Well, settle. Get on the mic. Get get on the mic. Just uh, get, get on the uh, mic. Get, get on get the mic. Mike, well, Mike D is a special individual. That's just for a, a Boys thing. 
I just played him the barbershop Beastie Boys. <laughs> Anthony is well versed. Because you can't. You don't. No, we just refilled. That's very kind of you. <laughs> yeah, he's very You good. get here and you, you're just giving. He's giving. All right, I'm gonna, all right, so I'm going to take these headphones off. I'm going to get you a mic. Mike for Mike. Ham for ham. I support the New York Cosmos, nice, which are one of the teams championing pro pro rel. Um, so what is pro rel? Promotion and relegation, which I is know, I'm just saying probably in, in the, case I actually play this. Oh yeah, which Would I think is like a big reason why we're falling behind. Because yeah, we like need to go up flights and out of flights, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think I mean when you're competing with the rest of the world for talent, I feel like you got to sort of do it that way. It's like a proven model. So the Cosmos kept, they were in an independent league that was... As I got to see them play against the San Francisco Deltas. Did they you? lost in the finals to yeah. the San Francisco Yeah, Deltas. we were at a watch party for that. And everyone yep. came on stage. That was such a cool thing. It was. It was. I was there. Nice. I, I was, I'm a big part. I went to most of the San Francisco Delta awesome. games. Uh, it's a shame about that league. Yeah. Um, I thought their antitrust lawsuit had merit to it. Yeah. Obviously, the, it's still going on. It's, they're bringing it to the next... Next level. Wait, so it. who's your Premier League team, or do you have a Premier League I team? I don't have one. We met some Arsenal fans recently, and I love the original Fever Pitch movie because that was about uh, Arsenal. Yes, Remember yes, that movie? Yes. So I guess I have a little bit of soft spot, for, but I, the only English team I like is, I think they're level five. They're called Maidstone United. <laughs> and uh, just because I have a friend that's from there. He oh, got it. Back. And he, um, they don't even ship merch to the U.S. Yeah. So he had to wait for one of his relatives to visit him. Smuggled it. And I, I just reimbursed them. I was like, get me a scarf and a shirt. Let's do That's this. That's awesome. And they don't even have, um, <laughs> they don't even have. Um, like a streaming anything for their games but they have a live radio broadcast oh that's fun and I listen like 10 a.m. Sunday mornings I listen and the accents are so thick and hard to understand oh he's got a wet squad he hit a squid oh they got a corner and now they got another down the fourth course <laughs> yeah ah oh, god he's got a bloody train that was a little bit spud from trade spotting yeah <laughs> I went to Craigie a lot of Scottish color commentators exist in the world of Certainly. professional football well, you were telling me about what was it, purple how or purple bricks or <laughs> yeah, something? Because in between, you know, in, at halftime, you're you're just now listening to all these local commercials. Yes. So I was messaging my friend James. Shout out to James Lot about James this. Lott. And I was just like, uh, wow, that was a tale of two halves. And now I know where I can sell my house for for 90 pounds. And he goes, Purple Bricks, mate, no commission. <laughs> I just immediately <laughs> knew exactly what I was talking but about. Because I, I had the, the Hamill Drop playlist on when Anthony was coming over. It, there was an ad on YouTube for Purple Bricks, but it was not. <laughs> it was just, it was our dumb, stupid American mm. accent. It oh, wasn't cool. no. Purple Bricks is growing. Uh, apparently. I know. So That's hilarious new- that you have like a... a- <laughs> third tier team that's Nate amazing Stone. come on you stones come on you stones and then how about spanish team la liga spanish team. no spanish team but bundesliga maybe dortmund now dortmund yeah dortmund now italian sure. league nope i just watched the the documentaries on netflix non te preoccupares mm. i can't believe you were at the 
NA, the last NASL final between the Cosmos and the Deltas. Yeah. Crazy. We were yeah. at Offside Tavern watching it. Yeah. That's so cool. I turned our friend's bar into a Cosmos bar. That's awesome. Even as they're like yeah. waiting for them to. And when I was growing up, the North American Soccer League was all the rage, right? So yeah. the Cosmos was definitely the team. I used to come up to New York to watch the games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Franz Beckenbauer. Oh, yeah. Pele. Werner Roth. Messi. <laughs> Messi's still playing now. Yeah. But these guys were in the late 70s, early 80s. We just watched the Studio 54 documentary last night, and I was like, where's the Pele picture? There's like that famous picture of like Pele and Mick Jagger in Studio 54. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, everybody, I don't know how the hell I'm going to edit this. So much soccer. But Mike came home. Yes. And now. Jumped right uh, into a soccer football conversation. Hey, Mike, Tutach, Welcome. You guys have met? We've met. Now you're hey, now Mike. talking hey, about big all, all Thanks, these things. <laughs> so we're probably going to be interrupted again by the pizza that you ordered for yeah, all three of us. Yeah, <gasps> Hey, Anthony, two touch, if you will. I will. <laughs> I can and I will. Um, would you mind taking some questions from the Patreon peeps? Love questions. Patreon peeps, wonder powers, activate. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> if I were Shockwave, this would be much more impressive. <laughs> yeah. And Patreon beefs. Dear Alexander. Maggie is saying, Yo, what's up, Philly? <laughs> I got I gotta share some hometown pride at mm, FLS, which was awesome. So for all the Philly area peeps, what is your go-to Wawa order? <laughs> Getting super specific. Ooh. They got chicken in Philly. <laughs> so from our my, the best yeah. episode of Always Sunny. Make it a double though. <laughs> uh, okay. With so the accent. Oh yeah, I mean it's the Philly accent. What yeah. most people don't realize about Philadelphia is that it sounds a lot more like the Valley than I think you give it credit for. It's like Australia. When you go down to the creek to get water ice <laughs> with your cuz, this is how you talk about it. So when I go to Wawa, <laughs> Shorty, obviously, how what, can what they only- that? It's a two ninety nine miniature hoagie, but <laughs> I get it, I'm mostly vegetarian, so I get- the pepperoncini, those yellow banana peppers with veggies. And usually I get the sharp provolone cheese. And I also ask for the honey mustard. And I beg them to toast it if available. Depends on the Wawa you're in. Uh, and then, of course, I go uh, to the <laughs> to the uh, ice cream area and get one of those Twix ice cream bars. Ooh. Because somehow it just makes that toasty sandwich feel like a, a warm hug on a cold day. Mm. Let me say, j- maybe it's because I have the headphones on. I heard you so hard in the Philly accent and then just subtly come out of it. So we call what we call into... a, a Philadelphia Tokyo drift. Oh. Uh, you just slow. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that, I mean, that's really, so my brothers still live in Philadelphia. And mm-hmm. when I go to their house, I often will hear the phrase, Oh, don't forget to wash your hands in the bathroom with the foam soap. That's washing your hands in the bathroom with foam soap. That's Philadelphia accent. <laughs> That's what a lot of my family sounds like. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Two one fifth, which you know. Northeast Philly, that's where my family is from. Tacanelli's. I want to get really specific. Speaking of giving love to pizza places, mm-hmm. Tacanelli's, this is a old wood oven that was started in the early f- 40s. Uh, went out of business for a little while, but then Tacanelli... Uh, the guy who ran it reopened it. The reason why it closed down for a while is because he had a Hobart mixing. This is these giant dough mixers that most like commercial pizza places and 
baking good places use. Uh, he fell in and got his arm and ear chopped Come off. Come on. So they called him wingy because it looked like he had a wing. This is very Philadelphia. He had a wing on his arm. He sometimes would leave the pizzas in a little bit longer. It got up to about 1,000 degrees. The ovens get super hot. So he would wait a little too long and it would get blackened. But that's what made Attacanelli's pie Attacanelli's pie. But some people who live like down the street would be like, ah, wingy burns all the pizzas. But it's the most delicious pizza in Philadelphia. Mm, I like a little char. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, nothing wrong with me that. Too. To this day, I like the char. Sure. All right, good. So thanks for the Philly question. (laughs) Autumn is asking, did you ever have an aha moment when you realized this was the career that you wanted to pursue? When or what was that? Well, I don't think I was audacious enough to think that uh, you could have a career in improv. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for a long time it was like, oh, this is a skill that I can use to maybe audition for commercials Mm -hmm. uh, and also use when I cater at, you know, giant events corporate events totally i uh i helped run a catering company for a super long time in new york and i hired all of my actor friends Mm -hmm. sure and i think it became apparent when i booked a voiceover gig and i was like oh okay i can i can actually make some money doing this uh and then i quit my job i quit the catering company uh, for a lot of different reasons. And I said, I'm going to just try to do this. And I ran the theater at the drama bookshop. Anytime I was able to get a show to rent out the theater, I'd get a commission on that. And then I was doing this sort of semi-regular voiceover gig as the voice of Bravo for a little while. Cool. So yeah, so that was an aha moment when I sort of was able to make enough money to quit my day job. Yeah. <laughs> Until no, then I was like, this is never going to work. Moment. Yeah. So I have to talk to you real quick about Richa. Okay. So Richa is so we were talking about the first night that you guys opened at Free Cell of Supreme. Mike and I were there. A yeah. bunch of the Hamilcast peeps were there, which yes. I didn't plan on. But a lot of people, all the suggestions were Patreon peeps Whoa. and not planned at all because we were not all sitting together. It just happened to be a thing. Right. So Richa, um, you guys gave her her second chance. Oh yeah. If you remember. So Richa had the story about how she um some friend or non-friend was really like giving her a bunch of bullshit about like the, the immigrant status of right. her parents. Where did your parents come from? Right. Was the question like it was, are they, are they legal? Are yeah. they legal? Yeah. Right. Some oh, ridiculous, even... awful, horrible things. So right. Of course, UTK was like, I got it. You right. guys, right. <laughs> I'm on it. Um, but so I asked Richa, like, is it cool if I tell Anthony that this is, you know, before I ask your question, yeah. that you were, you happen to be the I person remember. who gave the second chance. I remember her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was like, yes, please. Uh, so Richa's question is, um, how has the news slash world order affected people's stories and or word suggestions for Freestyle of Supreme? Yeah. I think right now for where, the climate is and what people are shouting out there's a definite need for justice right restorative justice is becoming a part of our show and a part of the dna of of free cell of supreme as well um and i think it we're mostly hearing it around unchecked male Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity we're hearing it around um you know, the powers that be around the abuse of power, um, that sort of standard, uh, what does it mean to be an American mm-hmm. kind of question? Yeah. Uh, because I think, you know, that divides our country right now, right? Is is being an, a good American, what does that look like? And I, I hate couching it in this, so maybe I shouldn't. But just an awareness around the 
the toxicity and the destruction of male white power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that also goes for a sort of a woke uh, understanding as well in terms of, you know, the disenfranchisement of almost anyone who doesn't look white and or is a man. So, yeah, there's there's an opportunity for us in Free Soul of Supreme to reflect, A, because we have very lots of different looking people on stage, but we can't do that with women because there's when we have special guests, there are some women who come on stage, but what we can say is we get it. Right. We understand that this is this should not be uh, the standard operating procedure. Yeah. That there needs to be a shift. There needs to be a change. We're with you on that. Yeah. And Richa, I mean, met UTK in the in the lobby. Yeah. And they had this really beautiful moment where he, they saw each other and he was like, oh, you. And she was like, oh, you. And like, it was a really cool thing. And then we like hung out after the fact because there were so many listeners there. And she, we all, it was really cool. Like listeners who didn't know her experience were kind of like, number one, how cool was it that you got chosen to mm. have the second chance story at Freestyle yeah. of Supreme and also like tell me more about that like how can I do better how can I do this so what you guys are doing is really starting so many conversations because you n- never really know who's going to be in your audience and who's going to say like oh wait and That's I think it's awesome. so important yeah I think so too you know I think part of the role of theater is to help with a, a cathartic interaction for community and so if you can start couching some of the experience around someone having a bit of a group theater interaction. So group Mm -hmm. theater is some pretty great therapeutic uh, early 1920s through the 1940s interactions around how you can use theater to help undo trauma for some people and uh, other type therapeutic uh, extensions of theater. Uh, And I think the grounding of Second Chance is very much inside of that concept. Uh, and, And I love that. And also, I guess maybe we should explain exactly what Second Chance is. Or oh, sure. You, or you should. No, more uh, than me. Uh, uh, out, of, out of the three of us here, I think maybe. Okay, you're fine, 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 fine. <laughs> Just because I invented the game <laughs> doesn't mean I know how to say, talk about it. So Second Chance uh, is a game in Freestyle of Supreme where we ask an audience member for an event that either happened to them or that they uh, were sort of the main acting agent inside of that still in some way haunts them to this day, that still maybe troubles them or they wish that it went a different way. Uh, and then we sort of dive a little deeper and tell and ask them to tell the story of it. So what what was it? What was the event that happened? Uh, and then now go further. Okay, what were the surrounding environment? What was the what was your reaction? What ended up coming of it? Um, and then we use that information to create a little bit of a, a musical recreation of that moment. And we do it two different times. The first time we do it is we show them how it actually happened the first time that it still was a, so we try to let them know we heard them. So we're mirroring back what we heard that then, uh, validates the person in the audience. It's like the best therapy session <laughs> it's, ever. It's a bit of a Truly, therapy like session. You're heard. You are totally heard. Yeah, it's you're amazing. totally heard. And not only that, but we've also picked up on some subtle nuances too that maybe or maybe not uh, were realized by the person who said them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a slight new light gets put on it the first time through that that it was a very affecting moment for you and then we sort of do a ripple effect we do a power of 10 Mm -hmm. of that first time through so we'll flash forward and we'll show because of that interaction then maybe years down the road another similar type interaction or 
because of the agency that was taken away from you, then maybe the community at large was affected. So now we go power of 10. So it's the individuals affected the first time and then the community is affected. And then we usually flash forward one more time where the world is affected. So the whole world has become mm-hmm. a worse place because of this interaction. And then we kind of stop it in its tracks. And then we rewind it and Shockwave mm-hmm. does sort of these reverse sound effects. And then we so take it back to the first time again. And it you get to that point where the inciting incident happens Mm -hmm. and a different decision has been made so some new wrinkle maybe the way that they wish it would sort of went happens and then we do a power of 10 out of that so we flash forward and we show how the community has become a better place because you stood up for yourself Mm -hmm. and then we show another power of 10 we flash forward and we show how the world's become a better place because you you know were brave or spoke up and now you're speaking on behalf of others and helping them to share their stories and now the immigrant experience has been reframed or whatever right. it might be and it ended with like richa like being president and like this some chant of like be a better person that's right be Don't a be a day. so her campaign platform <laughs> yeah. was be a better person yeah but like it's so it's amazing to me that you guys like can can speak to each other and finish each other's sandwiches and um <laughs> and just that you knew exactly kind of what she was trying to say Mm. with what her issue was Mm -hmm. like you knew what the end was going to be just by the questions that you know to ask right interesting yeah yeah i think you're right um you know and this is also part of that group theory uh group theater theory um when you reflect back uh an emotional trauma that happened to someone and then give them a glimpse into the potentiality of what they had hoped to happen, it often rewires the circuitry in your brain around that trauma and it adds different neurochemistry, which then helps that person to overcome mm-hmm. that trauma and remember it in a slightly different way. Right. <laughs> and it helps them to actually feel as though they made the right choice. Awesome. And wait, what did you should have said? I wish no. I would have said no to making out with my boss's daughter. You wish you would have said no? So making out with your boss's daughter, I'm so glad I asked you to clarify. <laughs> Tell me your name. My name's Avid. Your name is Avid? Yep. Avid, what is the name of your boss? Uh, her name is, um, oh my God, Mindy. Mindy, your boss's name was Mindy and your boss's daughter? Nikki. Nikki. <laughs> so we're gonna take it back for you. Lynn is gonna play you and he's gonna give you a second chance. But first, let's see what happened the first time. My name is Avid, I'm the cute guy at work And everybody thinks I just go berserk And yo, I'm uh, chilling with the boss But when I see her daughter, I'm like at a loss The daughter's so cute, she's Nicki, wanna buy her a corsage And maybe she'll propose like a Nicki Minaj With me and someone else to make three, maybe I don't know, but she's like circling around me Ooh, Avid, I got to have it, yeah I want to back it, that's why you keep me jumping like a rabbit Avid, make my life lavish Oh, I make it like lavish And man, if we were free, I would love to ravage that But your uh, mom is my boss So I don't know what to say, I should pause Hey you guys, we're doing that meeting in five minutes I'll see you in the meeting room in five minutes Sure, Okay, Avid, are you crazy, man? You should tear it to me like a damn caveman I am full of doubt, but I'm just leaning I don't say no, I make out Hey guys, we're 
I don't know what to say to you, Nikki, cause the situation's sticky. I should, but I can't. I must, but I won't. I'm sorry, I know, but we must, we don't. We don't do that in the office. All right, Abbott, we need you in that meeting. You're giving that big presentation. All right, sorry, I'll see you later. Maybe your things were different, but I get in the yellow uh... The presentation of my life. This is what we need to do to make the corporation go straight up in profit. I'm a prophet, I can't stop it. I just hit popping and I'll stop. Kate, what do you think? He's wow. a goddamn genius. My God. I think it's a magnificent performance. Abbott, I generally don't say goddamn in the workplace, but goddamn. Yeah. My goodness me. It's a visionary moment that you had for us. I think we need to change the entire trajectory of our, of our sales force. All in favor, say aye. 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 And would you please be the CEO? Aye. Yes. Aye. 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 And my first act of CEO is raise the dead. And that is some shit that I've been wishing to share. Is it the hardest suggestion to get from the audience on the spot? Because it's not it's not like a one word suggestion like yeah. they're, they're shouting out like little anecdotes at you. Yeah, you know I try to prep the audience for that. We need something more from you this time. This is a story you're going to share with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I generally have to do is give them an example that is based on something that happened to me. Mm-hmm. So when you lead with, "Hey, here's something that happened in my life," they feel a little bit more willing to share but it definitely is the hardest mm. i agree yes i think that that suggestion is probably the hardest in our show um to get from the audience but i think we we've, we've earned some trust by that point yeah i just i remember sitting there being like how do i say this concisely not that i had anything close to what rich right. had right but i that was that was my focus but, and and rich still needed to be you still have to say wait i'm sorry what like right. it still needed an explanation yeah so what if you get what if all of those suggestions are not what you're feeling. Good question. We as improvisers have sort of a contract with the audience that we'll take what they give us. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we get a lot of stuff in our show because we do our show a lot and we get a lot of words and we on stage hold ourselves to a very high level of non-repetitiveness. So we never take a duplicate suggestion from the audience. For some reason, regurgitate kept coming. I get it now. Keeps coming back up. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, what? Uh, from the audience for the verb at the beginning. So when we do mic check, we ask for an action word from the mm-hmm. audience to help us complete our mic check. And probably like four shows in a row, people shouted out regurgitate. And like, I'm generally listening for a moment where the audience ratifies the suggestion. That's me as the host. That's what I'm sort of doing. I'm looking for a word that somehow gets the group to say, oh, that's the journey we want to go on. So you're listening or watching for some kind of that's right. re- reaction it's from the Sometimes rest of the it's a, f- a physical reaction to it and sometimes it's, it's unaudible. Quite mm-hmm. often it's, it's a murmuring of assent, mm-hmm. right? So often if someone says a word that others are sort of willing to get behind, they'll be like, oh, right. But he, how about the fact that you are all now super famous? So... <laughs> If someone screams Hamilton, like mm-hmm. it, that's really not why you're here. Uh, but it might be why Utkarsh is here. <laughs> well, that's well, the other thing. Uktar, what do you, you People are going to grab over, things. Well, yeah. But you, you know, he what I'm loves saying, though? making like, fun of Hamilton, right? <laughs> so 
one of his he took Lin-Manuel Miranda as so sometimes we do a song called Pet Peeves sometimes we do a song called What Y'all Know and Mm -hmm. sort of that third slot and people wanted I said who's a celebrity you're inspired by or who you love watching and someone shouted out Lin-Manuel Miranda and Utkarsh was like I will take him in one more. Well, actually, one of the Patreon peeps was here and wanted me to ask you about that specifically, yes. Shoshana. So pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and he got to serve the dish cold to Lynn, uh, which was and and Lynn was there. Lynn was there watching. Right. Lynn was there watching because he was going to come into the show after. So. Lynn's in the audience listening to Utkarsh lambast him and he has no way of defending himself. <laughs> and I think that's part of the delight. Right. You know, we're not going to do inside baseball for inside baseball's sake. Right. Uh, you know, we're always going to try to take a choice, hopefully, that again will be the most inclusive for the journey of the audience. Because it's therapy, you guys. I don't call it whatever you want. <laughs> call it a performance. Yeah. It's just therapy. Look, I stand by it. Freestyle Love Supreme is therapy. At me. I don't care. I mean it. (laughs) Um, I hope you guys are loving these episodes. We had so much fun recording them. And you know what? To quote Daria Morgendorfer, there is no aspect, no facet, no moment of life that can't be improved with pizza. Stay tuned next week for recorded proof of that. And yes, I can quote Daria Morgendorfer off the top of my head. It's just a thing I can do. Anyway, in the meantime, follow Anthony and FLS at Freestyle Love on Twitter and Freestyle Love Supreme on Instagram. Mike is at MP Smith NYC on all the things. His new podcast is Ted Michael Reads Sketches into Microphones, and you can find them on Twitter at Ted Michael, or you can hashtag Ted Michael. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you so soon. I love you. I'm G.Pen. is brought to you by my love of the thing TM and my complete lack of chill please join me in raising all the glasses to Sir Alex Lackamore for generously making my intro music and this custom Yorktown arrangement that I will never ever get over thank you thank you thank you to become a Patreon peep and get the chance to ask questions to guests get tons of behind the scenes access and join the best kindest and most welcoming corner of the internet go to patreon.com slash the Hamilcast. I love you guys. Thank you. Hashtag team no chill. I'm at the Hamilcast on all social media and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Residuals is my web series with my husband, Mike, you know, Mike, and can be found at the residuals.tv. True Crime Obsessed is my true crime comedy podcast with my podcast soulmate and Broadway royalty, Patrick Hines of theater people and Broadway backstory fame. Thank you again so much for listening. It means the world to me. To the revolution! revolution.